People will come up and say, I don't know why you still hold true to God after the way God's treated you. Look at what's happened to you. It's just not worth it. And many people will say, serving God is not worth it. But I'll tell you, it is. It's very much worth it. Hello, and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. It is very easy to get discouraged. You may be struggling with sin, pain, or sorrow, and it seems like there is no way out. Considering how much more time people have spent indoors lately, it's no surprise we are facing an epidemic of discouragement. This week, Brother Larry Treadway continues his sermon series entitled, Encouragement for the Journey. Okay, welcome back to Portland General Baptist Church. I think this is uh, virtual worship number six or seven. You lose track of the weeks and you lose track of the days as well during this pandemic time, but we're glad you joined in with us. I'm going to continue today uh, my sermon series on encouragement. This is uh, sermon number, I think, four, and today I'm looking at the negative end of encouragement. I'm looking at bad encouragement, what I've entitled it, you know. I don't know if you know that song, Home on the Range. Home on the range where the deer and the antelope rain, you know, roam, where seldom is word, heard a discouraging word. Don't you wish that were true? But that's not always true. We have discouraging words given sometimes with our friends and neighbors, sometimes with our coworkers, and uh, even in family and in our church family. Sometimes people just, they're offering encouragement, but it comes out more as discouragement than it does encouragement. Uh, you know, in parenting, it happens quite a bit where I've had children, you know, it was a joke one time I heard somebody said, what's your name? He says, I'm not sure, but I've been called stupid idiot. Uh, or some people said you're dumb or you'll never amount to anything, and the kids believe it and they turn out that way. I'm here to tell you that you don't always believe what you're told by people. You, The only truth and the only evidence of truth comes from God and from His Word. Uh, there are just times when people give you wrong advice and uh, you're not always what they say you are and they're not, you're not always uh, who they say that you are as well. God explains it better than any in uh, Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord's plans for the holiness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. It is God who has the good plans for us. And there's times when uh, we are affected by uh, people's bad advice when we need to turn to the Word of God and get His good advice out of the Word. So we're going to look today at Job, Job beginning in chapter 2 and verse number 9. Because I know at times you've been discouraged. Uh, A friend comes along and they begin to outline the cause and the effect of what you're going through. And they offer what they consider encouragement and when they leave you're more discouraged than you were when they came in sometimes. I think that's the reason some people say that some brighten a room when they walk in, some brighten a room when they walk out. That's kind of the way that it happens sometimes. But in today's sermon I want to see four examples of bad encouragement that's given to us 
uh, through the life and the example of the man named Job. I think it's worse sometimes to give bad advice than just to give no advice at all. You know how parents used to tell us, if you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything at all. And that's what we're going to look at today. I mean, it reminds me of people going to a funeral home. You know, I, over the years I've been pastoring, I have been to a lot of uh, funeral homes, preaching funerals. Matter of fact, I got one this afternoon. And something that always rings out as a problem to me is when people walk up and they go to the person in the family that's having the, the sadness and they say, I know what you're going through. No, they don't, because God has made us all separately. Uh, he's given us all a uniqueness. Uh, he says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, which means we're all put together a little bit differently. Now, as an introduction, I want to give you a few events in the man Job's life. Job is, is, is really described as a righteous man who loves God. That's a good thing to say. He has seven sons, three daughters, and a lot of possessions. He has animals, lands, servants. He's about as well off as anybody in his day could be. You might say he was blessed. He was blessed in so many ways. He had a right relationship with God, and he was blessed materially and with the family as well. But then along comes a person by the name of Satan. Satan's always out to seek to harm God's people. He started it in the Garden of Eden when he approached Eve and asked her and tricked her into taking the apple or the fruit of the tree there that they had uh, been given instructions not to eat of. And then it continues today. He comes along our path and he trips us up. He, he's out to seek whom he may devour. He's out to lay traps along. And he will until he is finally chained and thrown into the bottomless pit where he will stay. So Satan approaches God. Now, that's debatable. How did he approach God? Did he fly up to heaven? Or You remember, we know that God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. So where did he approach God from? I don't know. But he approached God with, uh, with, with the answer of a question from God. God asked him what he was up to. And he told God, he said, I'm just walking to and fro on the earth. We know he was seeking to do no good. He never has and he never will. And God knew what he was up to. As a matter of fact, he gave him an incentive. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Have you looked at Job? Now you can do what you want to Job. He said, well, if you just give him to me, I'll make him curse you and I'll make him die. He said, you can do whatever you want to to Job, but I've got a limit. You cannot take his life. That belongs to me. That's one thing that God controls, your life and, your, and, and, and Satan's not allowed to take that from you. He takes away from Job almost everything else that's possible. His children die, the animals, the land, the, uh, his servants are all destroyed, and uh, Satan even takes away Job's health. But in the meantime, the only thing that's left for Job is his life and his faith in God. That's enough, isn't it? When all else fails, when all walks out the door from you and everything looks like it's gone out of your life, when you are so discouraged you can't go, if you've still got your life and you've still got your faith in God, you've got what you need to make it through the rest of life. Now, if ever a man needed encouragement, it was Job. And we're going to see four who gives him encouragement 
that's not really encouragement, but it's discouragement. We're going to look at his wife, a man by the by name of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Now let's look at example number one, bad encouragement number one. It's simply this, give up. It's not worth it. Just quit. Job's life here, his wife is coming to him, maybe out of compassion, I don't know, but she's coming to him with some words of bad encouragement, beginning in chapter 2, verse number 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still remain, retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. In other words, do you still have your faith? Just give it up. And then she said, But he said unto her, Thou speaketh as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all of this did not Job sin with his lips. In all of this, Job did not sin. Here's Job's wife coming along. So why do you still hold on to your integrity? Why, why do you still hold on to your faith? Why don't you, faith, why don't you just curse God and die and just give it all up? Uh, after all, he's done to you. After he's allowed you to go through, you just need to give up on God. So many people will tell you to do that, especially when they're weak in the faith or they don't have any faith in God at all. People will come up and say, I don't know why you still hold true to God after the way God's treated you. Look at what's happened to you. It's just not worth it. And many people will say serving God is not worth it. But I'll tell you, it is. It's very much worth it. And Job's response was a great response. He said, you're speaking foolishly, woman. You're saying things that don't make any sense. And Job did all of this and maintained his faithful living even when his health was gone, his possessions was gone, all of his family but his wife was gone, he still retained his faithful living to God. So Mistress Job, what an encourager she was. She was bad example number one of what encouragement should not be. Then we turn our attention toward Job's three friends, beginning in verse number 11. It said, now when Job's three friends heard all this evil, that was come upon him, they came every one to his own place. Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Naamathite, for they had an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. You see, they had an appointment. They made an arrangement to come to Job, their dear friend, and cry with him, weep with him, and comfort him or encourage him. They came to feel the pain and to encourage him. And they sat down with him seven days and never said a word. They were speechless because of the condition Job was in. Look at verse 12. And when they lifted their eyes afar off, they knew him not. And they lifted up their voice and they wept and they rent every one of their mantle. And they sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him. And they saw that his grief was very great. They felt Job's pain. 
A person in pain coming before God in this day and time would get ashes and they would sit in an ash pile and they would sprinkle it on their head and all over them, showing their uh, unworthiness to approach God. And, and when Job did this, when his friends saw him afar off, they didn't even recognize him. He was in such a situation and in such a condition they didn't even know afar off who this man sitting in this ice heap even was and they wound up being speechless so much so that they sat there seven days and never said a word to be honest with you they'd have been better if they sat there continuously longer and not say a word but they were there they saw his grief was very great and they basically just cried with him that's not a bad thing they felt his pain and they cried with him, and that's a good thing. But then they opened their mouth and it went south from there. Bad encouragement number two. You have reaped what you sow. You're getting what you deserve. Beginning in chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7. You are getting what you deserve. You are reaping what you sow. Now this is Eliphaz. He says, remember... I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent, or where was the righteous cut off, even as I have said, they that plow iniquity and sow righteousness reap the same. He said, they, it's basically a saying, you know, Job, you're such a sinner. You're, you're, you're so bad off because no good person would go through what you're going through. I mean, this has to be the wrath of God coming down on you because you were not getting, uh, not doing what you should be doing. God's getting even with you. And many people tend to react that way. They want to judge God's action. Uh, you know, and the Bible very clearly tells us in Isaiah 55 and 8 that his ways are not ours and his thoughts are not ours. Now, I, w I grew up in an area of the country that in church all of my life, it seemed like people judged you and they told you what God was doing to you. In other words, if you had to go to the doctor and you had a lot of medical bill, they would look at you and say, you hadn't been paying your tithes, have you? Or you'd, you'd have an accident, maybe break a bone and they'd come in and say, it's because you sinned in some way. Or maybe you'd lose your job and people would come up. The reason you lost your job is you've been missing church too much lately. They would put onto your thinking what they felt like God was doing to you. You can't do that. I mean, I, I met with a family this week who, who lost a son. And, and as I said, we got the, I got the funeral this afternoon. And there's been so much go on in that family. It, it's like a dark cloud is over them. And I was talking to him about that, and I said, you know, it just seems like there's such a dark cloud over your family. And they looked at me, and they said, why? Well, if, if I'd been one like Job's friend, I'd say, well, it's because you've sinned an awful lot. You're not having faith in God. You're not serving God like you should. God's getting even with you. But, you know, I don't know that. You see, life sometimes stinks. It's just that the circumstances of life comes and goes, and I think that's the reason the Bible tells us it rains on the just and the unjust alike. To put it this way, Job basically responded with, God doesn't punish the righteous, and he doesn't. He doesn't punish the, right, punish the righteous. Matter of fact, we see the opposite a lot of time. We see him punishing the unrighteous, which he's supposed to. 
So we see Eliphaz here. What an encourager he was. He said, man, you're getting what you deserve. You're reaping what you sow. That was bad example number two. Now let's go to bad example number three. Not only have you sinned, so is your children. Man, it's passing on from generation to generation. You've created just a bad situation for you. You've created a bad situation for your family. And what you've done, it just poured over on your family. It's all your fault. Bildad says, he says now, he said, If thy children had sinned against him, and he had cast them away for their transgression. In other words, he's saying, Job, you're a bad parent. You're a bad example to people. You made this mess, and look what it's done. It's carried over even to your family. Your past actions has taken your children down. You've made them suffer because of what you've done. You've made this happen to them. And as a result, God took them away from you. I've heard people say that. Man, you know, God took your children because of your sins. I can't tell them that. Again, I'm not God. I don't know what God's thoughts are. I don't know what God's thinking. God's God, and he's able to do whatever he wants to, and I'm not able to tell him what he can do or what he has done. So again, we see a friend of Job's judging God's actions. Bildad says, man, what an encourager when he says, you know, not only have you hurt yourself, you've hurt your family. This is bad example of encouragement number three. Now let's go to number four. It should have been or it could have been worse. It should have been or it could have been worse. Chapter 11 Verse number 6, Job chapter 11, verse number 6. It's basically saying you deserve more than what you got. Okay, here's so far. Know therefore that God has exacted of three less than an iniquity deserve. God has exalted of thee less than an iniquity deserved. Wow. He's looking at a man in pitiful situation, a man that he felt sorry for, a man that needed to be lifted up and encouraged. And he said, you know, you could have gotten worse and you should have gotten worse than what you did. You deserved worse than what you got. Be thankful to God he didn't make it worse on you. A man that's lost his family, his possessions, his, 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 his health and everything, he said, you know, it could have been worse. You need to be thankful you still got your life. That's basically what he's saying here. Be thankful God didn't make it worse because you sure did deserve it. We all do. But that's not the way God acts. Zophar, what an encourager he was, saying you could have got or you should have got worse. That was bad example number four. Now, let's take it home. In closing, I want us to see three mistakes here in these people's attempts to encourage that they made. Three attempts, three mistakes they made in their attempt to encourage Job. And then we need to watch for these in our own lives as well. Okay, we're going to go to different scriptures. Number one mistake is they fail to see pain for what it is. They fail to see pain for what it is. There's times, and I will admit, there's times when God has to chastise his children. The Bible is very clear on that, that as a direct result of sin, there's times he has to correct us just like we have to correct our children. And it comes with a territory, and it comes with love, and it comes with wanting to make a difference in our child's life. And that's what God's doing. His chastisement will come out of love, and it will come out of concern to try to make our 
path in life differently for our own good and for the glory of God. Hebrews 12 and 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So it's easy to look at somebody not knowing really what pain is all about and say, you deserve it because of your sins. But that's a mistake. And then there's times when basically it's just life. It's an indirect result of sin, not a direct result of sin, because everything in life that goes wrong is an indirect result of the fallen world. But in Matthew 5, 45, it says, For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Sometimes we have preconceived notions that God's getting them because of a direct result of our sin, when actually... Pain's not that way. It could be to be an indirect result of a fallen world in which we live that brings the pain in our lives. So we're not God. We don't know. So watch out for the preconceived notion because they can be wrong. The second mistake they made, and I believe we do too sometimes, is that they failed to see God's plan. They failed to see God at work. You see, God was at work perfecting Job. I mean, in the book of Romans, it tells us that tribulation or trouble brings patience. Patience brings experience, and experience brings hope, which is a solid trust in the Lord. Matter of fact, in Romans 8, 25, 28, it says, We know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. All things work to the good. What we consider bad, what we consider good, works out to the good for the glory of God if we love Him and follow His leadership. So God was setting an example here that would work out glory for Him in people's lives for centuries to come, even in today's world in which we live. Again, Isaiah 58, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has a greater blessing sometimes coming because of the hardship we go through, because of the pain we're going through. We don't see what God's plan is. We just have to trust him, follow it out, keep faith in him and keep going. And we have to encourage others to do that same thing because something better is coming for the child of God, no matter what you're going through. So we see that sometimes we fail to see pain for what it is, and sometimes we fail to see God's plan at work. Number three mistake is they fail to see the uniqueness. They fail to see the uniqueness in the situation. You see, Christian encouragement is not an exact science. We cannot say the same thing to different people and get the same result. There is no special formula to follow. We've got the whole Word of God to work through. We've got the Spirit of God to lead us. We've got other people who has matured in the faith to guide us. So we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading uh, in dealing with the needs of hurting people. Luke 21, verse 14 and 15 says, Settle it, therefore, in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom. He's saying, 
I'm going to give you the right things to say. If you'll just trust me, if you'll just seek me, I'll give you the right things to say. I'll, I'll give you the wisdom and the mouth to speak. If you'll just trust me, you don't have to uh, jump the conclusion. You need to see the uniqueness in every situation that's out there. I mean, and the most we can do for people sometimes is just simply be there. It, 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 it's, if we're just there, it'll be, you know, it, it'll be all right. I mean, it'll be enough if we just do that and just sit beside them, hold their hands, cry with them, whatever. If we just do that in the power of God, we don't have to open our mouth sometimes and even say a word. A lot of times we're better off if we don't. So each of us is unique in that. Job 42, verse 12, toward the end of the book says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. The Lord blessed the later end of Job, or the latter end of Job, more than the very beginning. Life is unique for each person because we're all made and put together. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made unique by God himself. So when we want to encourage somebody, let's try not to be a bad encouragement. Let's, not, let's try not to jump the conclusion and give the bad encouragement like Job's wife and friends did. Let's just come along beside them and be there for them. Be there for each other. Don't judge what they've done wrong or right. Don't judge what God's done wrong or right. Just be there for them without judgment weeping with them, crying with them. Did you know even Jesus wept for the purting people? When he was standing at the tomb of Lazarus and all of Lazarus's friends was around crying, there was a verse of scripture we kids used to give as a memory verse all the time. Jesus wept. He wept with hurting people. He stood on the hillside outside of Jerusalem and cried over Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have just taken you under my wings like a, a, a hen would have taken her baby chicks. I would have been there for you. I would have done this for you if you had just let me. He cried for hurting people. We need to, too. And love. Not only do we need to be there for each other, don't judge and weep with them. We need to love them. Even sometimes when it's difficult, we still need to love them. Lift them up through prayer. Make that a part of what we can do because there's prayer in life. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. And then we're ready to offer some wise, kind words from the Lord. It's a process to get there. We don't need to open our mouth before we go through the process of weeping with them and loving them and caring for them and being there with them and praying for them. We need to wait until God's ready for us to say the right thing at the right time to the right person. Let's pray. Don't be bad encouragement. Be good encouragement. Our Heavenly Father, I pray today that through this message we'll see that sometimes we say things we shouldn't say. We mean well. But Lord, it's not in your will to say those things. That instead of encouraging people, we wind up discouraging the ones we love. I know every one of these four people in Job's life, they loved Job, but they were discouraging to Job. Let us not fall into that, but let us pay attention to what you're doing in our life and come along beside people. Be there for them, weep for them, pray for them, love them and lift them up so that we might say the right thing at the right thing at the right time that will lift their spirit. And we give you all the hope and glory today in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed, were enriched, encouraged, and edified by this sermon from Brother Larry Treadway. 
Join us next week as Brother Larry continues his series, Encouragement for the Journey. Many of his other teachings and sermons can be found in the Sermon Audio Archive on our website at www.portlandgbc.org. Again, that's www.portlandgbc.org. Most of these recordings can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Each week, our Sunday school lessons and sermons are available on our YouTube channel as well. Just search for Portland General Baptist Church on your favorite platform. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.